good to be with you this morning. We've gathered to worship our God. So let's draw near to him now in prayer and don't pray. Almighty and eternal God, we come into your presence. We praise and glorify, we magnify your name. But Lord, we come acknowledging our sin and our unworthiness, acknowledging, Lord, that we have not loved you as we ought to have loved you, and we have fallen short of your glory. We pray, therefore, now that you would be merciful to us, that you would forgive us our sins, that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and grant to us, O Lord, the assurance today of knowing that uh, we are forgiven, that we have peace with God, and therefore lift our hearts in song to you today. Help us, O Lord, to respond to your truth, that your name may be honoured. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our first hymn is 273, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does his successive journeys run. Let's rise to sing his praise. Yeah. 
begin to read it, verse 1. Let us hear the word of God. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim, and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and have brought you unto the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And he shall no longer, sorry, and he shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. Ye shall throw down their altars, but ye have not obeyed my voice. Why have ye done this? Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. It came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spoke these words, unto all the children of Israel, that the people of Israel lifted up their voices and wept, and they called the name of that place Bochim, and they sacrificed there unto the Lord. And when Joshua had let the people go, the children of Israel went every man unto his inheritance to possess the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being a hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heris in the mountain of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and served Balaam. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers, which brought them out of the land of Egypt, and followed other gods, of the gods of the people that were round about them, and bowed themselves unto them, and provoked the Lord to anger. And they forsook the Lord, and served Baal and Ashtaroth, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he delivered them into the hands of the spoilers that spoiled them, and he sold them into the hands of their enemies round about, so that they could not any longer stand before their enemies. Whithersoever they went out, the, land, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. And they would not hearken 
unto their judges. God will bless the reading and hearing of his word. We sing again to the praise of our God and to the assurance that he continues to work the hymn number 87, Great Providence of Heaven, What Wonders Shine in its profound display of God's design. Let's rise to sing. great providence of heaven. I want us to come to prayer now, and I want us to begin by taking a time when we can personally ponder the situation in which we find ourselves in the world today with this whole awful situation in the Ukraine. We don't know what God is doing, but we do know that God is in control and that his purposes are being worked out. We believe in the providence of God, in his sovereignty, and in his all-surpassing purposes. So, um, as we pray, I'm going to leave a moment of quiet silence when we can bring before the Lord personally uh, our response to this situation and seek him. I will then lead us in prayer. So let us all pray. 
Father, as we come to you this morning, we are reminded of the words of the hymnist who wrote, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Lord, we don't always understand what your purposes are, and we are reminded of how our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to his disciples the night of the betrayal. Having washed their feet, he said to them, What I do now you do not understand, but you will understand later. And Lord, we don't understand what is going on in the world. We see a nation rising against another. We see a man um, flexing his political power and in many ways acting as a national bully or an international bully. But Lord, we come to you and we thank you that you remain the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We thank you, Lord, that you reign supreme. And we thank you, Lord, for our confidence in the great truth that in all things God works together for good to those uh, who are called according to his purposes. And, Lord, we don't know what you will bring out of this. But, Lord, we come to you this morning praying that you would help us to pray. Praying, Lord, that you would teach us to pray. Praying, Lord, that we would seek after you and we would know uh, your presence, we would know your grace, we would know your power. Lord, we pray for your church in the country of Ukraine. We thank you, Lord, that there are many who truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have turned from their sin and know peace with God. We pray that you would sustain them. We pray that similarly, Lord, for Christians in Russia, whose hearts must break as they hear uh, the events that are going on. We pray for those who have been sent to the front line and um, are living in conflict of conscience. Lord, would you help them? We pray, Father, that you would bring this situation to a swift conclusion and that, Lord, men would be humbled before you. We pray that um, for Putin in particular. Lord, you know, our great prayer would be that he would be humbled as Nebuchadnezzar was and that he would turn to God and he would declare that there is no God but the Lord and that uh, he would come in true contrition. But Lord, if he has to be arrested and to be shown his... Um, limitations in the sight of a holy God, then Lord, we pray that you would do that, but fulfill your purposes, and Lord, our prayer would be that you would be gracious at this time. But Lord, we realize that we uh, live in a country that is affected by this. Uh, we therefore pray for our government and those in authority over us. We pray, Father, that they would be humble and that they would seek after you. Lord, we pray for uh, all in authority. 
and just ask that at a time like this that they would realize their limitations and that they would call upon you. They would be humble before you and they would not make decisions of their own but rather, O oh gracious God, they would seek after you, praying, as again the hymn writer says, Guide me, O oh, great Jehovah, that they would come longing to know your presence, longing to know your power and your wisdom, that wisdom which comes from above. But Lord, as we pray on this vast international and national scale, uh, we would come also to the church in our nation today and pray that wherever your, your people gather together, there they would be conscious of you. Lord, you have promised that where two or three are gathered in your name, you will be there. You have promised that if we draw near to you, then you will draw near to us. And Lord, our prayer is not only for ourselves here um, in this chapel, but um, our prayer is for your people throughout our nation today, where they gather May they be made conscious of God. As your word is read, may it come with light. Even in the darkest of situations where people don't understand um, the glorious gospel, as your Bible is read, would you speak to the hearts of people. But Lord, wherever your word is preached today, we pray that it might come in the power and the authority of the Spirit, that it would give life that it would indeed stir the hearts of many and draw them back to you. Lord, in our midst this morning, we pray, shake us from our um, complacency, our contentment, and grant to us, Lord, a greater assurance of your presence and a greater understanding of your purposes. Lord, would you meet with us, we pray. Would you... Um, speak through your word and would you get glory to yourself we remember those who gather with us who are not as well as they would like to be comfort them and draw near to them if there are any who mourn give them your peace we pray we pray too O oh gracious God that you would um, indeed be with families here this morning who have children relatives uh, who do not yet know you as Saviour. Draw them to yourself. Give them your peace, we pray, and grant to them that assurance that they have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Lord, would you hear us now? Would you be pleased to meet with us and get glory to yourself, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, before we... Um, Hear the word of God this morning. We're going to sing the hymn 793. And in a way it continues our prayer. Oh, for a closer walk with God, a calm and heavenly frame. Let's sing to the praise of God, 793.
morning as we turn to God's Word, I want us to return to that passage of Scripture that we read together from Judges chapter 2. Perhaps for many of us, Judges is not exactly uh, the book that we would go to for comfort or for assurance. Um, And perhaps if we read systematically through Scripture, we read it um, on a fairly regular basis, once a year or whatever our system is, but it isn't one that we go to. And yet I believe that it is a book, and this particular chapter is one that is very, very relevant to the day in which we live. Recently I was preaching at um, a church in my home county of Pembrokeshire. I won't be any more specific than that. I can remember it being opened uh, back in 1970, and I can remember regular congregations of around um, 50, 60, a place that knew the blessing of God, and yet when I was there on the Sunday evening, there were eight or ten in the congregation, and a sad uh, reflection of where we uh, have been, and um, where we have come to in our Christian walk. We've just, sing, we've just sung, where is the blessedness I knew when first I saw the Lord. And I'm sure all of us know that sort of conflict in our lives. We would love to be closer to the Lord. We would love to know um, those days of earlier blessing. Colin mentioned that I've preached here um, or spoken at missionary meetings Uh, But I've also um, had connections with Hailsham over the last almost 50 years um, with the the Free Church and their Boys Brigade Company. And we can look back to those times when youth meetings were full, when um, we would gather into church meetings and um, we would know the encouragement of God. But where is that today? Um, Only this morning we received an email from uh, friends in Australia, um, slightly more mature than we are, um, but they were commenting on the fact that um, as a result of COVID, they're not seeing as many people in church as they did prior to the pandemic. What is happening? Uh, why is even evangelical Christianity um, appearing to be on the wane? Now, this hasn't happened simply because of the pandemic. I remember a number of years ago speaking to uh, a friend of mine whose parents had established the church where I grew up as a Christian. And I said to him, um, Why is it that we don't appear to have the same spirituality? Why is it that we cannot take hold of God in the way that those older men did? And I'm talking here about the 60s and the 70s uh, of the last century. And I was surprised by what he said to me. He said, perhaps they knew God in a fuller way. And we're talking here 
not about theologians or um, international preachers. We're talking about men who were carpenters and mechanics, electricians. And I remember when I was converted in 67, uh, wanting to pray like those men had prayed and uh, to take hold of God in the way that they did. Let's look back over those uh, 50-odd years uh, since the 70s. We've had a great privilege uh, as far as Christianity is concerned. We have had good books, we've had cassettes, we've had CDs, we've had videos. More recently, we have had access to the internet. But what has it done to us? Have we become sermon hearers rather than people who sit under the word of God? Again, that was something that I remember being prayed as a, a young Christian. Men would say, Lord, we come to sit under your word. And we were aware of that authority. But do we know that closeness with God? Are we overawed with the power of his word in these days? Do we need to heed the warning from James that we are to be um, doers of the word and not hearers only? Well, um, putting it in that context, this morning I want us to focus in particular on uh, verse 10 of our reading, Judges chapter 2 and verse 10, and just a, a statement uh, in the middle of the verse, and there rose another generation after them which knew not the Lord. There arose another generation that knew not the Lord. Joshua had died, and his fellow leaders had died, but people grew up. Now, what is said there is straightforward. It's um, a fact of life that people come, they go, another generation arises. But the important thing is that they arose, this new generation arose, not knowing the Lord. Uh, Ecclesiastes says that there is nothing new under the sun. And what ex happened at that time, I believe, has been happening in our nation in the last half century, probably a century, probably a century and a half, depending on where you live. Um, it is 1904 that the last revival swept through Wales. It was 1859 when the last revival swept through England. And a generation has grown up that doesn't know the Lord. This morning I want us to see this verse. And I also want us to see uh, the closing verse of Judges. Um, again, a verse that probably many of you know. And in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And I want us to see these bookends of this book. And to realize that we are living 
in exactly the same situation. I've entitled the message, The Problems and Product of the Life of Faith. And the way you've got uh, my two main headings there. The Problems of the Life of Faith and the Product of the Life of Faith. And to begin with, we're going to look at the problems. What does this verse tell us? Well, it simply uh, gives us information. And um, the first point that I want to bring out is the fact that leaders die. And um, all of that generation were gathered unto their fathers. Or as it says in the ESV, and all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. In the last 18 months, um, we as a couple have faced the, the painful experience of three of our missionary colleagues having died. Um, one, just recently, very, very suddenly. But it drives home the fact that it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. The writer of the judges is putting this in the historical context of Joshua. We're told in verse 8, and Joshua the son, Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Um, he was a tower of a man when we're introduced to him at the beginning of um, the book of Joshua. He's already figured in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. Um, but when he, as it were, takes center stage, God speaks to Joshua and he commissions him and he calls him to lead God's people into the promised land. He has lived with and served under Moses. But God says to Joshua, Now therefore arise, you and all these people, and cross the Jordan. Go into the land that I have prepared for you. As a man, he stood between God and his people. Uh, we have the situation of Achan, where Achan had taken uh, some of the uh, plunder of Jericho that should have been dedicated completely to God. And God came down in judgment. He arrested his people. He stopped their advance into the promised land. And Joshua fell on his face before God. He was a man of prayer. But God said to him, Now arise, there is sin in the camp. Deal with it. And Joshua had to face Achan and his own clan. He had to face the people of Israel and said, You cannot play fast and loose with God. God has spoken and we are seeing the judgment of this. He had been prepared uh, under Moses in Exodus 17 when the Amalekites were attacking the, the people of Israel as they had come out of Egypt. Moses stood, on, stood and then sat on the mountain with his hands raised high. But where was Joshua? 
Joshua was leading the battle. He was um, leading the people forward. And in effect, Moses was preparing him for the leadership that God had set him aside for. And we see this preparation taking place. When Moses had gone onto the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, Joshua um, had gone with him. And we're told that uh, as they came down and the golden calf was being prepared, he saw the, the judgment of God. But he was also a man of prayer. Exodus 24, 13 tells us that uh, Moses came down. Let's see, Exodus 24, verse 13. Um, so Moses rose with his assistant Joshua and went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return. And um, he was a man who knew what it was to be taken into the presence of God. I want to ask you, friends, have you known that? Have you known the reality in a prayer meeting of being taken into the presence of God? I thank God for the men that I spoke to you about earlier. They knew what it was to do business with God. But the point that I'm making here is that great men like this die. Leaders die. We are finite. Um, and yesterday I was at a conference and um, we were all wearing name badges. And I was grateful for it. I said, oh, I remember him. I remember him. Looking at him, I wouldn't have remembered him. But names um, were shown there. Friends, we're finite. We change. We change. We're mortal. The Lord will take us home. And Moses had prepared Joshua. But sadly, the spiritual leadership of Joshua didn't rub off onto the next generation. And I want to say to you today, friends, it doesn't rub off onto the next generation. There has got to be preparation. So leaders die. That's one of the problems. Followers fail is the second problem that I want us to look at. There are many other problems, obviously, in the Christian life. But we are told that there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And friends, uh, there was a deadly ignorance in the days of Joshua, and sadly, there is a deadly ignorance in our day and generation. I said to you earlier about our CDs, our videos, our internet connections. It is possible to know about the Lord without knowing Him personally. I remember a few years ago preaching at Grove Chapel. And um, the elders came through to the prayer meeting uh, before the service started. And they said, oh, brother so-and-so is with us tonight. And uh, I won't mention the name. But I'd heard of him. 
I'd heard of his reputation and after the service I went up to him and I said I have heard of you by the hearing of the ears but now my eyes have seen you and um, it's possible to have the same experience with God we can know about him but we have never met him we have never had a personal experience of the Lord the Lord who made himself known to Moses and Joshua to Abraham and Isaac to Jacob and Joseph this generation that grew up they uh, they would have been able to say oh my dad was a church leader my dad was a deacon if we were talking in uh, 21st century language but it was all a generation apart they lived uh, with a, a family responsibility uh, when Moses uh, was giving his final address to the people of Israel as they were entering the promised land he uh, said this to them and those words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates these families had a responsibility to teach their children the things of God friends that responsibility has not changed um, but did they fail in that I don't know but what did happen was that a generation grew up that didn't know the Lord now you might say Bernard this is Old Testament yes it is Old Testament the Lord Jesus Christ has not been manifest in the flesh he has not become man and lived among us but he was present they had been fed by the manna Jesus Christ described himself as the living bread that had come down from heaven they were um, their thirst was quenched by the water from the rock and 1 Corinthians tells us quite clearly that that rock that followed them was Jesus um, they knew the way they were guided by the fire and by the cloud and it is Jesus who has said I am the way the truth and the life the Lord Jesus Christ although he was not manifest in the flesh was there with them God in Trinity had um, worked amongst them the glory of God had been seen upon the mountain the Holy Spirit was at work in the heart of these people and yet a generation grew up that did not have a personal experience of God friends that is the day in which we live how many people know the Lord how many people can say it's better felt than talent and the problems are the same in every generation 
leaders die and followers fail. What is the product? Well, the product, um, to begin with, we go to the end of uh, the book, and uh, to chapter 21 and verse 25. Uh, we'll come back to chapter 2. But there was in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. There was no king. There was no authority. There's nobody who stood up and said, this is the way, walk in it. There was nobody who was saying to them, I will go before you. I will be the leader. I will raise my staff. I will show you the way that you should go. Friends, we're living in the same sort of climate, aren't we? Nobody tells me what to do. I have got my own convictions. I have got my own understanding. If it works for you, that's fine. No, friends, we need a king. We need one who says, God has spoken, that this is the way, walk in it. There was self-centered liberty. Um, no king. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. As I've said, it works for you. That's up to you. This is my choice. But in the context in which we are looking at this morning, God has spoken to his people. He took them into the wilderness. He didn't take them straight into the promised land. There was a year when they had to be in the wilderness, when they had to focus on Mount Sinai. They had to look up. They had to see the, the, the glory of God. They had to hear the thunder of His voice. They had to be given the Ten Commandments. They had to be given the tabernacle. They had to be given the whole priestly regime of the Old Testament in order that they might worship God. They had all of that. God had spoken. He'd given them a moral code for worship. He had been he'd given them a moral code for social interaction. Yet, they had turned their back on it. Proverbs describes what happened here and it describes the 21st century in these, these words. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. They're solemn words. But friends, we see it today. We see that our society is destroying itself. Some of you, like me, will be old enough to remember the term living in sin. There was one couple in our village who lived in sin. But what do we say today? Well, they moved in with each other. Quite acceptable. It's acceptable um, to fly in the face of God's decreed uh, pattern for life and to um, make our own choices 
the Lord Jesus Christ, in his great Sermon on the Mount, spoke in his summary of two roads, one broad and one narrow. The broad way is the one upon which most people are walking, and it is the most comfortable, and yet the end of it is destruction. The narrow way, um, in a way, I almost um, see the, the narrow way as a turnstile at the football ground or at a, uh, a special event. You can only go through one at a time, and there is only one way into the kingdom, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Your parents may have been Christians, your grandparents may have been Christians, but God has got no um, stepsons. God has got no grandsons. He has only got those who have been born again of the Spirit of God. You've got to go through on your own. But in that same summary, the Lord Jesus Christ said, there are people who are building houses. And boy, the houses that are being built these days. Wherever you go, there's houses being built. But how are they being built? And um, I'm not going to go into modern building skills, but the Lord talks about building on the sand or building on the rock. That rock is Jesus. It is the Word of God. It is the authority of God's Word. The sand is personal opinion. It is the latest trend. And because it's the latest trend, when the next wind of trend uh, comes, when the next wind of change comes, The house is destroyed. It is shown for its futility. And yet, the word of God. It's hard. It's tough. It's immovable. Like rock is. Uh, I come from Pembrokeshire. And um, just outside the the town of Pembroke. If any of you have visited that town. You may have um, driven up past the castle. On one side, the castle is there stood on the rock but the other side of the road there are cottages but they are equally uh, grounded on the rock how they built those places I will never know but there is rock it is immovable and friends uh, the, the word of God is immovable I want to say to you friends whenever life is lived without reference to the word of God it will always be destructive even amongst the people of God oh but we've always done it this way oh but um, this is what um, we, we think is the right way but is it God's way Is it what God is wanting us to do? I remember, I'll give you a personal example of this. Um, Good many years ago now I was being interviewed by a church, the possibility of taking up a pastorate. And the question was put to me, well, what if um, I and somebody else come along and we say that we would like to worship God in this particular way? Uh, How would you respond to that? And my answer in those days was, I'd say to you, well, there's another church down the road that 
worships in that way. If you want to do that, go down to them. And I felt that that was right. But maybe I'm a little wiser and a little older now. And I realize that when God brings people in amongst us, we have to ask ourselves the question, do, do things have to adapt? Do things have to change? Now, I can imagine people getting their hackles up, but we've got a young couple at the back, and they've got a little one on their lap. Did life change when that first scream came? <laughs> I know enough about life to know that whenever a child is born into a family, life has to change, no matter what we want to do. There will be broken nights. There will be illnesses that demand um, us looking at things differently. There will be um, adjustments to work patterns um, because um, a new life has come amongst us. Friends, when we are not seeking the Lord, when we are not asking him to guide us, in reality, we are living outside of his word. Let's go back to chapter 2. And there we see a description of what happened when uh, these people lived without direct reference to the Lord. Verses 11 to 15, summarizing verse 11. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Balaam. And I've talked about the lack of authority. I've talked about self-centered liberty as a product of living without God. And thirdly, I want us to see a destructive tolerance. Um, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. Verse 12 says that they forsook the Lord. They uh, in actual fact, that word forsook um, could be translated abandoned, but it could the the strength of it is they looked to themselves. They were looking to what they wanted. And friends, we can be like that even as Christians. This is the way we've always done it. This is what uh, we are comfortable with. But friends, um, are we? looking at a world that is going to a Christless hell and asking, Lord, how do we reach these people with your gospel? How do we glorify your name in the 21st century, not in the 20th century? Uh, we are told that they forsook the God of their fathers which brought them out of the land of Egypt. They lost a sense of history. They had lost um, that understanding of asking the question, well, how did we get here? Have you ever done that? Have you ever um, sat down and asked, well, why is it that we are here? What are the events in Providence that have brought me to this point in life? And it's interesting to see the way God brings people Cross our paths and uh, to see how he closes one door and opens another door. Friends, are we beating our heads in the 21st century against the door that God has closed, whereas in fact he has opened others for us 
to um, serve him. One of the privileges of um, missionary work was to see God at work in different contexts. Again, at this contest, uh, conference that I was at yesterday, somebody quoted uh, Mike Meller, you may know him as an evangelist. Um, he said he's preached for years on Bournemouth Seafront and seen very little fruit. But he went to Africa and he preached there and uh, dozens streamed in response to the word of God. Friends, these people forsook God. They abandoned him. They looked to themselves. No sense of history. But do we have a concern for the future? What are we going to hand on to our children? You know, often you will talk to Christian parents and say, oh yeah, so-and-so, he's a doctor. So-and-so, he's a nuclear physicist and they're talking about their children. Um, and uh, are they going to church? And their head goes down. Now, none of us can save our own children. But it's so easy to become content with the privileges of this world rather than pleading with God for new life to be given. And um, we, we see here that they provoked the Lord to anger at the end of verse 12. Uh, verse 14, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. That's the picture that we like of God, isn't it? But no. Our God says, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. Friends, our God is a righteous God. And he shows us where we have gone wrong. We sow the wind, we reap the whirlwind. Notice the middle of verse 14. And he, that is the Lord, delivered them into the hands of spoilers that spoiled them, or plunderers. Egypt had been plundered by Israel. As they had come out uh, as helpless slaves, God had allowed them to plunder the Egyptians so that they had wealth to take with them as they went into the promised land. But what do we find here? The nations are plundering God's people. Friends, I don't, I'm not a politician. I'm not an economist. But I hate to think of the national debt in the developed world today. I hate to think of the personal debt in the families of our nations. But here we see the fruit of destructive tolerance. People building their house on the sand and ending up with nothing. Terrible sermon, isn't it? Awful. Let me point to you just in these last few moments. How do we respond? Isaiah says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him. Lord, we're over here. We're not over there. Listen to us. 
That's what God calls us to do. To take hold of him. Ask, seek, knock. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man is sought and turn to the Lord. Friends, we can seek the Lord. It's not too late. If you're here today and you're unconverted, you can seek God today. And we have the promise of Acts 2 that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Acts 2 also shows us men responding to the preaching of Peter. And they interrupt this sermon and they say, What must we do? And Peter replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. Friends, repentance is not something that you did decades ago. Repentance is the experience that we need to live by. Changing our thinking. Changing our minds. Focusing on God and being prepared to walk with Him. The practical outworking of this? Keep the Word of God central. The beginning of the day. In the middle of the day, at the end of the day, in discussions, what does the Lord say? Live by faith. When we were preparing to go to Papua New Guinea, I was shocked when a minister of a church said to me, I could never do what you're doing. Friends, as Christians, we have always got to be prepared to trust God even when we don't understand live by faith and believe that he is working all things together for good to them let's sing our final hymn which in a way puts this totally central 688 Jesus keep me near the cross there a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Keep me near the cross.
Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning conscious of our need to keep close to you. We pray, Lord, guard us from allowing another generation to rise not knowing the Lord. Help us, we pray, to honour and to glorify you. And as we part from one another now, we pray that you would bless us. And now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all evermore.